This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Brought to you by Subway, where winners eat. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhaus along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland as we continue with our hot stove shows. The offseason for the Tribe continuing and uh, a busy week in baseball and for the Indians to some extent as well as they made it official signing Mike Napoli to a one-year free agent contract. We will hear from the Tribe's new first baseman and right-handed power hitter a little bit later on in our show, we'll also visit with Chris Antonetti, the Tribe President of Baseball Operations, as he fills us in not only on uh, the official Napoli signing, but also uh, the reasoning behind some of the moves so far this offseason and where the Indians see themselves at this point in the offseason and what remains to be done. So good visit from Chris coming up as well. We'll hear from Terry Francona. He stopped by on Nick Camino's Hot Stove radio show earlier this week, and uh, Nick and Terry will talk about the offseason so far and what's to come in spring training. And we will also check in with Paul Hoynes, the longtime beat reporter for the Plain Dealer and now Cleveland.com. Hoynes with a Hall of Fame vote. And uh, we'll talk about the Hall of Fame voting this past season. And it involved Ken Griffey Jr. being elected to the Hall with the highest percentage in history. And Mike Piazza also selected to Baseball's Hall of Fame earlier this week as well, but uh, we'll talk to Hoinsey about those who made it, those who didn't, and the process behind it. So a lot to get to this week, a loaded show for Tribe Talk this week. Great to have you with us talking baseball, and we will be back as Tribe Talk gets rolling after this timeout on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Great to have you with us. Talking baseball during the off season here. The the weather expected to take a turn for the cold next week. So yes, it, it will feel like a little bit more like winter in Northeast Ohio compared to what we've had for the majority of this baseball off season. The Indians continuing to try and add to their ball club, and they made it official this week: the signing of first baseman and a designated hitter, but a right-handed power bat, and the name of Mike Napoli. Longtime major leaguer with time 
in Texas and also Boston. And then back to Texas at the tail end of this season. Broke in with the Angels a while back. Now 34 years of age, coming off an up-and-down season a year ago that saw him finish strong down the stretch with the Rangers and the Indians signing him to a free agent deal earlier this week, making that official. Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, joined us earlier this week, and he filled us in on why Mike Napoli is a good fit for this ball club. Well, one of the things we tried to do at the outset of the offseason, Rosie, was find a way to improve on the group of position players we have to hopefully deepen our lineup and also complement with some right-handed hitters. And we feel with adding uh, Mike Napoli and Rajay Davis earlier, we've been able to do that without compromising or sacrificing another area of our team, specifically our starting pitching. So Mike's a guy that's got a great track record. He's a very patient hitter, has, has a lot of power, has been very productive against uh, left-handed pitching. Uh, we think he fits very well on our team and and also in the field because he's worked really hard uh, to become a good defender to the point where he actually got some gold glove votes last year. So we think it's a guy that helps us offensively. He helps us defensively. He's got great baseball IQ. He's into the game. He's got good baseball instincts. Uh, he's a great guy in the clubhouse. So he just fits us so well in a lot of ways. You mentioned all these attributes. I know you have to be very selective when, when you're going after free agents on who you bring in here. Where does that begin? Who do you lean on to, to really get a good read on a player? Well, we try to tap into all of our resources to find out who the best fits are, whether that's our, you know, our scouts, our player development staff, our analysts, um, whoever it might be to kind of get that whole group and then really group avail available players and then really narrow down on who are the guys that are the best fits for us, who are the guys that are the best fits for our roster, who are the best fits for our organizational culture. And you look at your, your young core, who really took a step forward, uh, Bradley Kipnis, Gomes, in terms of leadership last year. But why is it still important to, to have a Mike Napoli or Rajay Davis come in here as veteran players? Well, we believe our core is um, you know, in the midst of the prime of their career or entering the primes of their career. Some of them now have a little bit of playoff experience. But uh, anytime you can add to that group and find guys that uh, have some other experiences, and both Rajay and Mike have have had postseason experience, so they bring that element to us. And they've just been through the grind of the major leagues and have experienced a lot of different things. And their perspective can help um, can help guys at different points in time and help the team, whether it's help an individual guy get through a period of time where he struggled and you know maybe one of the veteran players can provide some counsel to help him get out of it, or just to provide the consistency throughout the course of the season. There's a lot of things that veterans provide because they've been through it that maybe some of the younger guys haven't experienced. Chris Antonetti joining us. You mentioned uh, trying to fill out the roster in terms of enhancing it offensively, but uh, bullpen-wise, maybe it's because of, of when it happened over the holidays, that type of thing, but you've added a lot of pitching, veteran pitching. And What can you tell us about what you've added mm -hmm. and, and how important you think it may be in the end? Well, in addition to adding to our offense, one of our other goals this offseason was improving on the options that we had in the bullpen. Uh, we wanted to try to fortify the group of guys that we've had. And so we were able to, both through a couple of small trades and also through some minor league contracts, bring in some guys that have had success in the past that we feel could potentially contribute to our bullpen and should provide some great competition coming into camp. So from the right side, we made a trade for Danny Otero, a right-handed ground ball specialist that had a lot of success with Oakland, was one of the better pitchers relief pitchers in the American League in 2014 had a little bit of a down year in 2015 we think there's reason to think he'll be better uh, this year so he'll come in to compete for a spot we've made a couple of waiver claims that guys that will come into that mix and then we've signed a group of uh, non-roster reliever left-handed 
uh, pitchers in Joe Thatcher, Tom Gorzolani, and Ross Detweiler that have all had some degree of success against left-handed hitters. And, and that group will come into camp and hopefully give us some quality alternatives from which to choose uh, for our opening day roster. And you get through, at least to this point, without giving up any starting pitching. And gosh, winter meetings, it sounded like something was in, imminent. And I know it, it probably is a lot different in, in your room, but... Uh, what what turns it and makes it so important to, to hang on to that pitching and see if he can do some things without letting go of, of any of these young pitchers? Well, our preference all along was to continue to hold on to our starting pitching and to try to find ways to improve our team uh, in other ways, whether that was signing through free agents or even trading some prospects who weren't yet at the major league level uh, for established major league players. And we pursued a lot of those things. Fortunately, we were able to get Mike Napoli and Raja Davis done as well as some of the other complementary moves that didn't necessitate us trading our starting pitching. I think um, I've mentioned this at different points in the past. I think what's it's been reinforced for us as you know as we listen to other teams and their interest in our players is how valuable and what other teams think about our starting pitching and that it's not just three or four guys but it really goes eight nine ten eleven twelve pitchers deep within our system that other teams value so that provides us a degree of confidence that we're not over just overvaluing our own players many others in the industry see it the same way and and hopefully we go into the season with a not only a great quality of starting pitching alternatives, but good depth as well. Because one of the important things of getting through a season successfully is to have eight, nine, or ten starting pitchers that can come up and, and pitch in meaningful innings and uh, give you a chance to win some games. That's Chris Antonetti, Indians president of baseball operations. And when we come back, we'll hear from Mike Napoli. He'll tell us why the Indians were his choice to play ball in 2016. That's next as we continue with Tribe Talk from Progressive Field on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Don't forget, put it on your calendar if you haven't made plans yet. January the 30th, Tribe Fest returns presented by Key Bank. Although this year it will not be held here at Progressive Field due to the renovation project going on behind home plate and in that area. Uh, those preparations to, still continuing, so it takes away a lot of the space that had been used for TribeFest in the past. So this year, the event moves to the Aloft Hotel downtown in the Flats on the East Bank. Great spot. Sure to be a lot of fun. A little bit smaller venue, though, so make sure you pick up your tickets early. You can do so. General admission tickets, 5 bucks for adults and kids. They get you in the door, and uh, you can pick them up at indians.com slash tribefest. And you can also pick up your autograph tickets as well. As uh, There will be a, a lot of the players from the current team on hand, including Corey Kluber, Jason Kipnis, Jan Gomes, Frankie Lindor, Lonnie Chisenhall, among others. Also, on the alumni front, just announced this week, Mike Hargrove, Carlos Baerga, Ellis Burks, and Jarrett Wright will all be here as a part of Tribe Fest presented by KeyBank, January the 30th, down at the Aloft in the Flats. So a good time to be had. Go to indians.com slash tribefest for all the information. And maybe, just maybe a part of it, not confirmed as yet, the newest Cleveland Indian officially signed earlier this week, Mike Napoli, longtime major leaguer, now 34 years of age, good veteran that the Indians have added to their ball club. He'll swing the bat with power from the right side, play a lot of first base. And when we visited with Mike Napoli earlier this week, 
he explained why the Indians were the choice for him to continue his major league career. You know, looking at the roster and, and uh, you know, seeing seeing that pitching staff definitely you know intrigued me. Um, I've had some history with Ty Van Berkeley, um when I was younger in, in the Angels organization. Um, you know, we had a really good relationship. I learned a lot from him, and uh, you know, being able to talk to Tito, hearing things about him. You know, one of my best friends is, is Dustin Bedroya, so um, anything that comes out of his mouth, um, you know, I take to heart. And uh, he had nothing but great things to say about Tito. So, um, also, I mean, I, I thought it was a, it's a great opportunity for me to, uh, you know, be able to, to play every day and, uh, you know, be out there and, and uh, you know, play the game. You mentioned that, and and when you've had that opportunity, you've been able to put up some numbers. And what are you doing this off season to make sure that that you can be out there as often as possible? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I had an off season last year to where I couldn't really do too much. You know, I had a surgery for uh, sleep apnea. You know, I had toe surgery, so um, there's a lot of things going on in my my last off season to where I didn't really get to work out until you know I got to spring training, but. Uh, you know, I've been healthy. I was a lot healthy all last year. Um, came into this this spring tra- or this uh, off season to where, you know, I was able to get back into my routine to where, I have my off season workouts and, and being able to run and, and um, lift, you know, how I wanted to and, and be able to hit. So, um, you know, I feel great. You know, being able to do all those things and you know, I'm, I'm healthy and, and uh, getting strong every day. So um, I'm pretty excited and, and uh, looking forward to it. And I know one of the things that Chris Antonetti had mentioned was not only the contributions at the plate, but but you've become a very good defensive first baseman. And we saw you earlier in your career, you were a catcher by trade. And, and how have you managed to, to really catch up and make that transition a very smooth one to first base from, from spending most of your career behind the plate prior to that? Yeah, I mean, i got to give a lot of credit to being able to work with Brian Butterfield. Um, you know, it was being able to go, you know, from, from behind the plate to, to first, um, you know, I, I had the mentality of just you know, knocking the ball down and flipping it to the pitcher. But um, being able to work with, with Butterfield, um, I learned a lot from him. And, and uh, you know, I put in a lot of hard work. You know, I take pride in, in defense and being able to be out, out there and, and uh, you know, stopping runs from scoring and doing anything I can. So, um I'll continue to work hard at it and try to get better every day. So, um, you know, the transition actually went pretty smooth. You know, I got to play um, some of the infield when, you know, when I was younger in the minor leagues and stuff. So it wasn't like I was going out there and it was the first time I was putting on a, a first base in the glove. So um, the transition went pretty good. Mike Napoli joining us, signed to a free agent contract officially earlier this week. And getting back to your relationship with Ty Van Berkley, and you mentioned working with him when you were a young player coming up through the Angels system. And and talk about that dynamic and and what it can mean to have someone that that you have some success with and can fill you in on some things that are really helpful in terms of hitting. Uh, I mean, I think it's a lot to do is, is the trust that you have. You know, um, I mean, I trust everything he says and, and I believe in the things that, you know, he, he teaches and, and he believes in. So um, just being able to come up through the minor leagues, you know, learning from him and some of the stuff he, he taught me and, and 
being able to comprehend the stuff he says is, is huge. So um, it definitely had a big part of, you know, my decision um, to be able to go and work with him again. So um, it's just that trust, that trust factor of having that, you know, you can go to, go to him and, and he can help you out. You mentioned earlier as well that at least having a chance to, to talk to Terry Francona, get some recommendations from others who played for him. Uh, how about current players on this Indians team? Did you have much familiarity with them? Uh, I mean, just just across the field. Um, I got when I went out for my physical, I got to meet you know a couple of the guys, and uh, yeah, I mean, I really don't know too many uh, of them, but I'm pretty sure you know getting to spring training. Um, you know, I, I'm a people uh, person, and um, Looking, looking forward to, to meeting all the guys. It's going to be a, a fun time, and uh, just looking forward to it. I know the Indians looking forward to having you here. Mike Napoli, thanks so much for coming by today. Appreciate it. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you. That's Mike Napoli, expected to be a big part of the Indians lineup this coming season. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll be joined by Nick Camino, our good friend who hosts Indians Hot Stove Weekly, and he had a chance to catch up with Terry Francona earlier this week. We'll hear from the tribe manager, when we return after this timeout on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you at Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. If you like Tribe Talk, but that one hour of baseball talk on the radio a week is not enough for you, we invite you to tune in to Hot Stove Weekly, hosted by our good friend Nick Camino. And it's on many of these same Indians Radio Network stations, and that's usually early in the week. And we certainly invite you to listen in again this Monday night. The show's on this coming Monday night from 8 until 9. Last week's show, Nick caught up with Tribe Manager Terry Francona. Kind of a, a catch-up midway through the off season to get some of his thoughts on the moves that the Indians have made. And in their discussion Tito talked about the addition of Mike Napoli and the role that he may fill with the ball club. Hey, Terry, listen, I really appreciate the time. Hi, Nick. How you doing? Doing very well. Doing very well. It's it's good to hear your voice. Let me take a guess at your off-season plans thus far, maybe what it's consisted of. Warm weather and Arizona Wildcats basketball games. Is that a safe bet? You are. You might not have it in the right order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everybody that knows me knows how crazy I am about that team and um, I go to as many games as I can, and any other one you're right is you know trying to stay in Tucson as much as I can and sucking up the the nice weather because it it sure makes you feel good. Okay, I guess we could start with the news of the day. I think this would make the most sense. We found out earlier today that the tribe officially signed Mike Napoli to a one year deal. Uh, Terry, I'm not going to ask you to sit here and fill out a lineup card, but how do you see him sort of fitting in for your team? What role is he going to have, and and what does he bring to you guys? Well, I mean, the hope is he brings a lot. And and what we do know is, you know, really good teammate, really good kind of a grinder type player that, you know, it's almost like the more he gets beat up, you know, the better, the more he likes to compete. And he's got big, broad shoulders, and he's been on winning teams. Uh, He's made himself a really good first baseman. I don't know that it came naturally right away, but he works so hard at it that he's become really good. So, you know, between he, Carlos, you know, it gives us the ability to kind of maneuver the lineup and have 
you know, whether Carlos is playing first or DH or, or who knows, maybe somewhere else, you know, it, it gives us a chance to always have the platoon advantage. And, you know, it gives us that right-handed power that's really hard to find. You know, my guess is against lefties, we'll probably hit him up higher in the order. If we need to against righties, we can always, you know, kind of adjust it a little bit. But, you know, those are things that will play themselves out as players, play, you know, as you get into the season and you see how guys are doing. But he's a really good guy. We needed, we needed a bat kind of in the middle of the order. And, and they're hard to find. And I thought Chris did a great job of going out and finding it. We mentioned Napoli. You guys also added Rajai Davis to, to help the outfield depth, a couple of lefties for the bullpen, some other outfield options also. I mean, what have you made of the offseason thus far and, and how you guys have been able to, to try and improve this ball club? You know, in, in this day and age, trying to add, whether it's pitching or well, anything, you know, we've, we've all seen how costly it is. And I thought Chris and this guys did a really good job of, of kind of uh, attacking the guys that we wanted and then being persistent enough to get it done. I mean, even like, you know, Rajai Davis was probably the guy that when the season was over, he was probably at the top of my list. And that doesn't mean he's the best player in the league. I don't mean that, but just, just knowing what we needed and maybe, you know, what we could get done, I thought he would be a really good fit. And Chris stayed out long enough to get it done. Same thing with Napoli. It just it, it's it's such a good fit, both of them on so many different fronts. And then, you know, we we really wanted to to add a lefty or two in our bullpen, and to go out and get the three you know the three veteran guys on non roster deals. You know, you you got to figure that. I mean, hopefully all three of them, but you got to figure one or two will come in and and show that they can spin the ball and throw strikes and get a lefty out, and that'll really help our righties out the bullpen. Terry Francona is our guest. You're listening to Indians Hot Stove Weekly, your one-hour baseball fix each week uh, here all along the Indians radio network. Terry, I, I know that you addressed this already uh, earlier in the offseason, but, uh, gosh, you talked about the passionate fans. I hear from them here on the radio, and a lot of people just been yelling and asking, you know, I, I like Todd Frazier so much, the, the former Reds third baseman now with the Chicago White Sox. Any insight that you could help us with to, to sort of explain as to why the Indians were not able to land a guy like that? Was the asking price just way too high? Well, you know, the one thing I need to be careful of is when you start talking about other players, you know, with other teams, it gets a little tricky. Um, I guess the best way I can answer it is, you know, our affinity for him our, our, is probably every bit as what you think. I mean, I love this kid. I, you know, I see him out in spring training all the time because they share the complex with us. He's he's a baseball player, and he's one of the best third basemen in the league. And I guess the easiest way to put it was what was asked of us, none of us were comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And again, you, you know, you can't you can't make a team trade with you. You know, if they like the other team's players better, that that's their right. And I just know what what the asking price was, and it made me queasy. And and, that, and that's, <laughs> this is coming from a guy that really thinks a lot of him. But what we were asked to give up, to me, didn't make sense. And if it didn't make sense to me, you can probably imagine how Chris felt about it because his job is more, you know, being the caretaker of the organization. And it just, it, you know, those things it would have been awesome, but I, I, it wasn't, I wasn't comfortable, and I know Chris wasn't, and so you move on. What's the latest you've heard on Michael Brantley, Tito? He's recovering from the uh, the shoulder surgery. Any any sort of timetable that that you've heard on him? Maybe could provide a little more clarity right now. Well, I mean, I think the clarity is that he's right on track with what they said all along. 
And, and I don't think it's fair to Michael to kind of put a date on it because then if he's, you know, a week later, everybody will be like, well, what happened? You know, he's doing a great job, which is not surprising. Everything he does, he does professionally. He does it good. He'll be back the minute he can be back, and he'll be just fine. You know, we're going to miss him like crazy because he's really good. But the idea that he's going to be coming back sooner rather than later is is really good news for us. And And the fact that he's not going to be hampered by, you know, trying to protect his shoulder. He'll he'll rehab it to the point where it's strong and it'll be good and he'll be the same player he's always been. All right, we'll leave you with this and we really appreciate the time tonight, Terry. We're talking with Indians manager Terry Francona here on Indians Hot Stove Weekly. A lot of people excited about baseball starting at the start of warm weather. They love it. Your club in general, just a, a general question. I know you have yet to even meet some of these guys when when you get to, to spring training, but when you look at it, do, do you go in? I, I know you've always said you're not going to go into something doing it kind of you know half speed. You're, you're going 100 miles an hour. Do you, do you feel like going into this upcoming year, knowing the pitching you have, the foundation of guys, that you guys have a, a realistic shot to, to win the AL Central? You know what? Yeah. But, again, I, I don't think talking about it is going to get it done for us. I think maybe the way we struggled last year out of the gate kind of proved to, to everybody that, you know, when we play good, we can be good. When we don't, we get beat. And, you know, we may not have some wiggle room that maybe some other teams have that had their, that maybe score more runs than us. But we have a lot of good pitching. We have, we're catching the ball so much better. And I think our guys understand that if we play the game right, we have a chance to win. And I'm okay with that. I, I actually kind of like it. I just, you know, we just, we just have to get ready to play. And then be, you know, pick up our consistency level, and try to keep that at a high level for a, for a long year. You know, that's hard to do. It's not impossible by any means, and that's our challenge. And we're looking forward to. It. We're not going to back off of that. All right, Terry. Listen, really appreciate the time. Always fun to catch up with you. We'll see you at spring training, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. You got it, Nick. Happy New Year. I'll see you soon. That's Indians manager Terry Francona along with Nick Camino, the host of Hot Stove Weekly. Again, another hour-long show. If the Tribe Talk's not enough for you for the uh, Hot Stove news during the offseason and some baseball talk on the radio, we certainly invite you to join Nick and Hot Stove Weekly on many of these same Indians radio network stations as he's on the air this week, Monday night from 8 until 9. Now stay tuned. We'll continue with our conclusion of Tribe Talk after this timeout on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field for our final segment on this week's show. And uh, this week, earlier in the week on Wednesday, the Hall of Fame voting results were announced by the Baseball Writers Association of America and selected to this year's class of the Baseball Hall of Fame Ken Griffey Jr., one of the more prolific home run hitters of his era, 99.3% of the vote going Griffey's way, the highest percentage in history. Also going in, catcher Mike Piazza, long career with the Dodgers and then the Mets, and uh, certainly someone who was an unlikely Hall of Famer as uh, he was drafted in the Netherlands of the the baseball draft, way down in uh, the upper 
uh, rounds of the draft, but uh, he made it big as a high round or a low round draft pick, we should say. And Mike Piazza going into the hall along with Ken Griffey Jr. Some of those who did not make it but received heavy consideration, Jeff Bagwell, Tim Raines, Trevor Hoffman, and Billy Wagner, uh, those two brilliant closers during their careers. And uh, those under the suspicion of PEDs, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, made a little more headway, gaining a greater percentage this year, but still not enough to get into the Hall of Fame. And uh, we had a chance to catch up with Paul Hoynes earlier this week. Hoynes, he the longtime beat reporter for the Indians with the Plain Dealer and also now Cleveland.com, more online uh, components to that. But Hoynes has been voting for the Hall of Fame for more than 20 years, and uh, it was easy at the top with Griffey, not so easy uh, elsewhere. When we caught up with Hoynesy earlier this week, he talked about the challenges of voting for baseball's Hall of Fame. Yeah, it, it, I, it, it's it's always fun to look, to vote on the Hall of Fame, Rosie. Uh, it's an honor, and uh, and uh, but it, it is challenging, especially you know with so many players from the steroid era on the on the ballot. It's really uh, you've almost become judge, jury, and executioner. You're you're the moral police and. I don't think any of the baseball writers uh, originally wanted to do that, but we're kind of stuck with that. And uh, what's your view on it? Because I know it really varies from from writer to writer how they see it. What do you see in terms of of those who uh, have been implicated or at least talked about in terms of of the PEDs? Yeah, it, it, you know, it's kind of it's it's a tough call, Rosie. But uh, you know, I usually don't vote for uh, the steroid guys. I don't vote for Bonds or Clemens or Sosa. Um, I just, uh, I know a lot of them played before testing, and um, they, they really, I don't think any of those guys ever tested positive or, or were caught, you know, tested, made a positive test. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, obviously, I think they, they altered <laughs> their bodies, and uh, I think uh, they knew it was wrong. If they didn't think it was wrong, they would have been, you know, sticking needles in their rear end right in front, of, in the middle of the locker room, and, and that certainly wasn't the case. Now, why do you think it's changed a little bit? Because Clemens and Bonds both have got a little bit more in terms of support this year. Why do you think some writers have have changed their view as time has gone by? You know, I think uh, the, the, I think some voters have softened their stance. You know, as you said, as time goes by, um, because uh, you know. To change your your views from year to year, I think uh, you know people are viewing it now. Maybe you know that steroid use was so rampant during that era that uh, you know every so many people were doing it that the field was level. I, I don't particularly believe that. I also think uh, you know Clemens and Bonds uh, vote totals you know received the bump this year because the Hall of Fame uh, you know passed a rule this past uh, year uh, in which, you know, writers that had been removed from the game for 10 years, that, you know, Hall of Fame writers that had qualified to vote for the Hall of Fame can no longer vote. So I think that put a, you know, there's a younger uh, voting base now, people that, you know, aren't so, you know, aren't uh, so concerned about steroids and and their effects on on the game's records. I think that probably, you know, gave them a little boost. Paul Hoynes joining us, longtime Indians beat writer and Hall of Fame voter, and uh, on to the good stuff. Ken Griffey Jr. going in with uh, a record 
amount of votes and, and percentage-wise. And when you look at him, uh, absolute no-brainer in your opinion? Oh, yeah. That was, that was the easiest pick on the ballot. And he gets 447 votes. I mean, 437 votes out of 440. And uh, I'd like to see the three guys that didn't vote for him. I mean, I don't know what their criteria for a first ballot Hall of Famer is, but uh, they, they've set the bar pretty high. And when you look back at his career, uh, my goodness, uh, you know, we just got done talking about performance-enhancing drugs, and he seemed to be the the 180 degrees away from that. And, and I think it showed late in his career he aged like you're supposed to, it seemed like. Yeah, you know, when after he had those the 10, 11 great years in, in Seattle, he went, you know, went home to Cincinnati, and you know, wasn't you know, still a very good player, but wasn't a great player. And I think you saw the injuries catch up to him, and uh, you know, that's the way it's supposed to go. That's the way athletes usually age, and uh, we've seen it the other. You know, unfortunately, we've seen it the other way around in baseball as well. Uh, but you know, just you know, he, Rosie, to me, he was the, he was the best all around player I've ever seen. I. I just, uh, you know, offensively, defensively, uh, arm speed. I, I, you know, it was it was just so much fun to watch him play. And, and I, to me, he, he was. If, if, if this, I don't know, I, I didn't see Babe Ruth or Ty Cobb or any of those guys. But if this guy isn't doesn't get every vote that's out there, I, I mean, something's wrong. You know, something's wrong with the people that didn't vote for him. Thank you for clarifying that you did not see those other guys, just in case <laughs> just in case people were wondering. Uh, so Mike Piazza was the other one who went in. And when you look at some of the, the new players who will be on the ballot next year, I think the most intriguing name for Tribe fans, Manny Ramirez, enters the, the balloting next year. Uh, will he get lumped right in there with Clemens and Bonds, no question? Yeah, I mean, this guy, is he's been found guilty twice. I mean, there's really no, you know, no one is uh, – Clemens and Bonds haven't haven't been found guilty. I mean, they, there's a lot of innuendo, a lot of smoke and around their names from the, from the steroid era. But Manny was, you know, tested positive at least twice. And uh, you know, I could just, you know, <laughs> I I just like to, I I, I love Manny. I, I I covered him when he broke into the big leagues. I thought he's he's probably the best right-handed hitter I've ever seen. And uh, it just boggles my mind that he, he he would do that i'd like to just hit him on the back of the head you know just why you know especially at the end of your career you've accomplished all you've accomplished and then he tests the positive so just uh <clears throat> you know I, you know but rosie i'm thinking you know i was thinking another way that maybe you know if you if you know manny did get caught he served his time maybe that'll i don't know you know in the, in the view of some voters maybe that'll Maybe that'll sway them to vote for him. Uh, I mean, what did he hit? 555 home runs, uh, just you know, over a 300 hitter lifetime, just a, you know, and World Series MVP. I mean, what a great player! But geez, oh man, just uh, you know, just you know, he just uh, Manny being it's, Manny. <laughs> it's just frustrating. It really frustrates me. Yeah. It probably frustrates me more than it frustrates Manny. <laughs> you, could, you could make a case for that. Uh, a couple of other uh, former Indians, um, I think people discuss sometimes, and, and their time has come and gone, uh, especially Kenny Lofton. Um, because of that rule of 10, you can only vote for 10, it seems like that, that hurt his cause 
in terms of the amount of time he was on the ballot. Could he have, if there was not that that limitation of the amount of players you could have voted for in one particular season, could he have hung around a little bit longer on the ballot and maybe gained some support because of the career that he had? Yeah, I sure wish he I think, you know, talking to Kenny, he was, he's still bitter to this day. I think, you know, he was, he came on the ballot with uh, Bonds and, and Clemens and really kind of got overlooked in the, in the backwash of, you know, all the, the steroid guys and a crowded ballot. And uh, he was one and done, you know, he, did, he didn't get the necessary 5% to stay on the ballot. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, when you look at his numbers compared to uh, Jimmy Reigns, you know, Reigns is, you know, obviously, you know, a little better, you know, a, a, a little better uh, uh, leadoff hitter. But, you know, Kenny is right there. And I think, you know, having seen him play for so long, to me, he's, he's a Hall of Fame type player. And I just wish, uh, you know, he could have stayed on the ballot longer. Maybe, uh, you know, the Veterans Committee will, will consider him because he certainly was, you know, an elite player and, and just just a great guy to watch. You know, just, just he did everything. And with Albert Bell, just too short a, a career due to injuries? Well, you know, you know I, I, Albert Bell and me did not get along. And, uh, <laughs> Maybe you're the wrong guy to ask. <laughs> yeah, and that was, that, and that was, you know, I wasn't alone in the, in, the, in the process. And I think that really hurt Albert. Because if you look at his career, I mean, he had like seven, eight, or nine years where you know consecutive years where he was the most dominant hitter in baseball, uh, you know I think you know obviously the hip injury with uh, with Baltimore hurt him, but uh, I think uh, you know I, I I regret not voting for him. I when, by the time he left the Indians, I had he had I, I had you know I I um, I had just uh, I had such a negative feeling toward him that I let my my personal feelings you know kind of cloud my judgment when. His name was on the ballot, and uh, that's the first and only time that's ever happened. And I've always regretted that. And um, and I think you know, if he gets a second look at the Veterans Committee, I think he'll he'll get some strong consideration. But you know, I just you know he was <laughs> he was a tough guy to cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's uh, the Hall of Fame time is certainly. Uh, the time for great discussion about some uh, very good players, some of the best in the game, and certainly this year with Ken Griffey Jr. going in with the, almost a unanimous vote, that holds true, and Mike Piazza going in as well. And Hoinsey, thanks so much for shedding some light on, on the process a little bit and, and your thoughts on it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rosie. That's Paul Hoynes from the Cleveland Plain Dealer, longtime beat reporter for the Plain Dealer and now Cleveland.com, talking about the election process for the Baseball Hall of Fame 2016, Ken Griffey Jr. and Mike Piazza to be inducted this coming July in Cooperstown. That's going to do it for this edition of Tribe Talk. Great to have you with us. Hope you can tune in once again next week when we join you once again with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. been listening to tribe talk presented by progressive making it easy to bundle home and car insurance brought to you by subway where winners eat 